This is TDPS. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet? That depends. Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men. Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio, and now I'm being harassed by seagulls. Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press, when a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, Yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room. Brandon! Come get this seagull! I can't help it if my writing sets the scene. I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich? Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Well, Eric Shaw Quinn, we are saying goodbye to 2021. Happy New Year, Christopher Rice. Happy fucking New Year, Eric Shaw Quinn. 2021, the year where all the horrible stuff didn't quite end, is now in our rearview mirror. Because people seem determined to just hang on to it as long as they could. I will never understand that. As long as they could. I just, they're still hanging on to it with every... Final tooth and toenail, they're hanging on to it. Let's let's not let it go. I know, I know, I know, I know. But we here at uh, Christopher and Eric's, home of Christopher and Eric's True Crime TV Club, uh, we have kept going the whole fucking time. I did a social media post about this not too long ago where I said nothing stopped us except your goddamn appendix. When, when the it's moment really the pandemic the- started... We figured out, thanks to our sound genius, Brandon Griffith, how to record remotely, and we did, and we kept churning out episode after episode after episode during the end of the world. I actually had to be put in the hospital yeah. to miss an episode. And it's I think the only we, time we ever had. Three weeks? Two weeks? Did that take us out? We had three weeks without an Don't episode? Don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so we've just- I was the sick one. You were supposed to be counting. I was the one who was supposed to be counting. I was the one who didn't have to do the social media posts on Sunday. Well, that was actually both of us, but you know- we got a brief break, but it was an unwanted break because we love our party people so much, 
And we love talking to you on the Facebook page. Yeah, and while I wasn't crazy about my appendix, I would just as soon still have it. I think what you were really crazy about or would have been crazy about was not having to go to Cedar sinai Hospital in the midst of a COVID spike, which is what we were having oh at the time. Oh, my God, that was so terrifying. The Delta variant was in full swing. The Cedar sinai emergency room was like something out of an apocalyptic television show. Yeah. And you almost left. You were minutes away from leaving. Seconds. I was seconds. If that person had not said, come in here, we need to take your vitals, mm-hmm. I would have run. Yeah. I would have Absolutely. run. I just couldn't take it. Yeah. But no. they brought me in. My heart was absolutely racing. And they said, oh, my. Okay. Yeah. Come right on in and lie down. So your anxiety helped speed you through the emergency absolutely. room. So that my was good. My heart condition really got us in and got, yeah. us a, got us a table. Yeah. So we thought we would wrap up this year by asking our beloved party people on our Facebook page, the Facebook page for The Dinner Party Show, which is what TDPS stands for, The Dinner Party Show, what their favorite true crime TV club or true crime movie time or true crime special edition, which is when we bring you and we discuss in a single episode, a multi-episode series about true crime. Um, other than our coverage of the William Newton case, which we know that's really, is really its own special yeah, thing. We don't, we're not going to call that a true crime TV club. Um, other than that, we asked you to bring us our uh, your favorite episodes. And I'm going to be honest, it took a little prodding. So I, I, maybe it was, but then when I have to say, when I went and looked back, it's very hard to decide. We had a really great year. But those were the answers that we got was, I can't decide. Don't make me pick. It was a really yeah. great year. When I leafed back through it, to, because we said we would do ours as well, I don't know that I really settled on one. Like, I've got three or four that were like, wow, that was really amazing. But so was that. And that yeah. was really, yeah, we've had a good year. Yeah. Yay us. I'm proud of us. We've had a good year. Yeah, it was really some interesting choices and some really unexpected things that were like, wow, that was really um, that was really remarkable. Yeah, anyway, we'll get into those as we get into our own personal preferences. But yeah, we understand why you had a hard time choosing because when we had to choose, it was hard. I, I'll say this. Um Sia Marie on our Facebook page had this to say, I feel connected to the host so much that the stories are secondary. I love every week. Keeping sociability, sociability excuse me, alive during the pandemic has been absolutely crucial. Listening to you reminds me how to behave in company. Isn't that lovely that she said that? I don't know who else uh, learned how to behave in company with Eric Shaw Quinn. But, I don't you know. know that I would necessarily <laughs> do that, but um, I used to date a guy who called me the social machine. The social machine. Yeah, that you just take me to a social event and switch me on. Yeah. And, I'm off. I'm talking right. to whoever's there and having a good time. And where do you, where did that where does that come from, Eric Shawquin? Where does that social machine come from in you? How did you become the social machine? I I don't know. That is a, that's a really good question. I think it was born out of um, my own innate shyness and um, reticence around other people. Mm. I think it was a way of doing the opposite. Mm-hmm. Of that and my own, well, you know, we're here and so we're going to have to do right. this. This is what we're going to do. We're yeah. going to engage with people instead of, and then it's like the whistle happy too. And then I realized I wasn't shy or socially anxious or not. That seems like part of it. Mm-hmm. I, the other is just being curious. Mm-hmm. 
Like I want to know, and so I've got a lot of questions. Mm, interesting. And that starts things out. And yeah, very precocious child. Mm-hmm. You know, lots to say right from the start. So yeah, if there was a shy period, it was brief and early. Yeah, and out of the way right away. Um, Dispatched. Uh, one of the other comments we got on Facebook, and now I'm addressing those that didn't make a choice, despite some needling. They said they couldn't be forced to choose which episode was their favorite. Amy Bellino said, I love them all, but I want to know about Eric's Cynthia the ghost story. Huh. And so I think I wrote back, or let me say, excuse me, I think Shea Butters wrote back, the moderator of our Facebook page. Yes. Shea uh, Butters, our grieved manservant. He wrote to Amy and he said... I think you will hear more Cynthia stories if you pick a favorite true crime TV club. I'm not sure as of recording time if she made a choice, unfortunately. It doesn't look like she did. Uh, but, but Amy will always be here for us forever and always. And so will Cynthia. Yeah. Apparently. Absolutely. Cynthia's right here with us now. Anyway, so um, you were having a hard time picking your favorite. We said we were going to do our favorite. Should we wait to the end to do our favorites and sort I think of we dive should, into? Because okay. I don't want to dominate other people's choices. Right. Um, we also, but I might steal from them if they say something that's like, oh, yeah, that really is the thing. We also did a bit of homework here to find out what are our most popular episodes of all time right. and of this year. We know no matter both. what you say. No matter what you say. We actually know what you listen to. Yeah. And we can say which were the most popular episodes of our True Crime TV Club um, series. So Natalie Gutermerson, who says that I do not always, I don't mangle her name exactly. I get pretty close. I'm not entirely there. And she's phonetically written it out for me and a message that I need to spend more time with. She had a long response. I got in touch with her directly and said, Natalie, clearly we know that you have some sort of answer to this question. And she <laughs> said, this is very tough. But my top five favorite episodes of this year are, her first choice is episode 58, which is Homicide for the Holidays, Bloody New Year's Eve. Now, we were just joking on our last episode yes. about how we did not, all of our holiday true crime TV clubs have been family massacres, and we couldn't bring ourselves to do another one this year. But one of Natalie's favorite episodes is one that happened in her home country of Canada. Naturally, as the Canadian correspondent, as we call her, this episode gets the top spot because I had never heard of the case before. And I just moved to a town close to Edmonton, which is where the crime happened. Right. I remember it. So it's on my mind around this time of year, and I have talked to several people who remember the case in the news because it was so horrifying. Uh, her number two pick is episode 59. Aye, that's a really great pick. Yeah, when Eric describes the real facts of the Kitty Genovese Just story. Just blew me away. Because I often hear people mention the incorrect version of this horrible case. I never remember the documentary Eric mentioned, so I just tell people to go to listen to this episode. Well, we won't tell them the name that, of the documentary That's ever. fine with me, too. Yeah, totally. That works. But yeah, that really was... That's, yeah, that's right up there. God, that was a great episode. Uh, her number three choice is episode 61. Yeah. Ice Cold Killers, yeah. Hunting Humans was the episode that gave me the worst nightmares. Do you, you don't get nightmares. I was going to say if anything, ask I you if don't. Anything. Yeah. I have, the closest that I get to nightmares is a thing that I think is maybe called night terrors. I am a conscious dreamer. Mm-hmm. Which is why I don't have nightmares. I am aware while I am dreaming that it is a dream. Right. And so I am not frightened by it because I know it is illusory. Mm -hmm. Like somebody will shoot me and I'll make them leave. Right. Because why would I die? It's a dream. Right. Um So I don't have the kind of response to it. But because I am a conscious dreamer, mm -hmm. 
um, I am aware that I am asleep. Right. And I sometimes become aware or I become convinced that there is someone, some presence in the room with my sleeping self. Oh, God, that's horrifying. And I know I'm asleep and I know I'm lying there and I'm helpless and I am convinced for whatever reason that there is someone, something there Mm -hmm. with my sleeping self and fighting to wake up from that Mm -hmm. and yelling, trying to yell for Alexa to turn on the lights um, is as close as I get to... um, to having a nightmare, it's it is why um, I, when I went in for appendicitis this year, it is why I gave everybody such a fright because people would come into the room and I would scream. Oh wow, yeah! Like I think I screamed. You did, at but you. I, I thought given the situation, it was pretty normal. You were but in a yeah, horrible hospital every during time, a COVID spike. But so. I am not accustomed to there being anybody right. in the room with me when I'm asleep, and my response is to scream. And mm. I probably was more. Closer to the surface, if you will, mm-hmm. um, when I was sleeping in the hospital. I don't know that I ever slept deeply. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's my sort of nightmare experience. Do you get nightmares? I don't. I get dreams that are vivid because I feel like I'm sleeping shallowly, which apparently is the truth. If you're remembering your dreams, you're actually having shallow sleep or you're remembering them only there's a portion of your sleep that is shallow, which is where the dream is coming from. Uh-huh. Um, I don't. Um, have I don't often have truly terrifying dreams, which is strange given what I write and a lot of what I read and consume. No kidding. Particularly when we talk about it. I have dreams that are about stress and disorientation and being forced to do things before I'm ready. I have performing anxiety, anxiety dreams. dreams yeah. Right. I had one the other night where I was supposed to be somewhere to meet somebody very important, and we were trying to talk on the phone, and my dreams are very surrealistic and strange, and I do confuse them with reality. I often have the experience of waking up and being having a moment and then being relieved that it didn't happen, whatever the thing was in the dream. Like, oh, that didn't. I didn't offend that person. They're not angry. Nobody is who. Nobody looks like who they're actually supposed to be in my dreams. Like it, I will have a knowledge that it's you, but you'll look like Rock Hudson or Rita Hayworth. You know, like either one. So I, I don't really have a direct connection between the frightening things I often work on and the dreams that I have when I'm asleep. So there's that. Um, so a total sidebar, but I just thought that was interesting because so much it, we're talking about focusing on things that are so scary, yes, and so stressful. Her number, Natalie's number fourth pick, episode seventy-eight, probably uh, the hardest notes job I ever had to do. Lady Gucci, the story of Patrizia Reggiani. Natalie, you and I are on the same page. Yeah. Like, not I think the really the amazing part to me about that one was that not only was it an amazing episode and was I so glad we chose it, it was just outrageous because it was like entirely <laughs> Entirely, and I didn't realize it because I take my notes almost like transcription. I watch at the computer and I take I, I do a split screen with the Word doc and I was like, oh God, I can never look down because I'm going to have no idea what anybody's saying. Right, And uh, <laughs> it was... but it, then the, almost immediately thereafter, it became this big story that Lady Lady Gaga yeah. was in 
um, Italy making a Ridley Scott movie right. about this story. This story, exactly. Starring all of these people, these actors that I just love. It was like, oh my God. And Patrizia Reggiani, the, su- the subject of the documentary who Lady Gaga is playing in the movie, has said of Lady Gaga, she is not pretty enough to play me. Which tells you a lot that you need to know about Patrizia. It's so that's such a Patrizia thing to yeah. say. Episode seventy eight. Just a nightmare. If you haven't listened to it or if you haven't seen the special, it is really something. She is quite a piece of work, that one. Uh Natalie's last pick. Another brilliant pick. Episode seventy nine. That was a true crime special edition where we bring you an entire multi episode series in one episode of our discussion, and that was Sasquatch, which you can see on Hulu. Here in the United Complete States. Complete surprise. Totally. We picked it because we thought it was a riot. We just yeah. thought that was the silliest thing we'd ever heard. It was and beyond. It's actually kind of a brilliant um, yeah. a series. I, I could not have been more surprised by how much I liked that. And then Natalie said something that some several yeah. other people said, which is if they weren't limited to this year, yeah. the thing about Pam. There's no beating the thing yeah. about Pam. The thing There's about Pam. There's just no beating it. I can't wait. Who's making them? They're making a movie of it. With somebody, it's like Kate McKinnon. It's not Kate McKinnon, but it, I think somebody, it might actually. Oh, it's Renee Zellweger. Renee Zellweger yeah. is making the thing about Pam because it's just one of those stories of like, yeah. oh my god, you cannot quite believe it. And the thing that I love about is how meta it is that she actually incorporates Dateline into the crimes that she's yeah. committing. She pretends to be a Dateline producer yeah. in order to. Do murder like it's a, she is it's an incredible it is story. Just an, it is one of the, it is a twisted tale. Now should we should we do this now because Dateline is on and has stayed on another case that we think we're going to talk about in 2022 oh, yeah. that we've been watching for a long time. So let's tell them some about that. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. I think that's a really great point, Christopher, because it really, a couple of weeks back, like, my favorite true crime story of the year, I think it's this year, but I've kind of lost track of years because of the mm-hmm. pan- the shutdown and the pandemic right. and whatever, but the Lori Vallow story, mm. if you haven't heard of it, is just really, and they did a big Dateline coverage early on in the story. Several. Several. They've done several And they've episodes. done a podcast yeah. and whatever. Yeah. And Mommy then, Doomsday is the name of their podcast about it, yes. And then right about, I'm going to say mid-November, so it's probably available on Peacock if you haven't seen it, they did another two-hour update on the Lori Vallow story. And it really was, I watched it thinking, what are they really going to have new to say? And they had a lot mm-hmm. of new stuff to say 
Um, I won't do our usual thing of telling you what it all is. But no, but we're going to talk about it. But there's it. some real interesting twists and turns to it because the thing that is becoming, because it, it got portrayed initially as sort of crazy religiousness gone wrong and really the way that they are depicting it in in the in this new update is like no this is a crime spree where um religion was used wow. as an excuse um behind this crime spree like this is wow. they really took it okay. they took a real point of view with it and some of the people who were interviewed in the previous um dateline uh, episodes turn out to be pretty hardened criminals in the more recent versions. It was it was it was not nothing. Oh, I can't was, I'm going I'm going right now to go watch it. I'm leaving. It yeah, really is. I'll it really watch is. it tonight. I yeah. think it was the I think it was the um the the second Friday in November. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a little while back and I've been meaning to talk about it and we maybe we'll do it on the show. Um yeah, then we could do it on the show yeah. in January. Oh Why my not? God! Yeah, we better. Yeah, we, could we do better it on the show, show in January. Um, this we'll find a, a slot this month. But, oh yeah. But like, it was really something that I, you know, we were already booked for the year. But yeah. Um, because we it were was, talking it about also, favorite episodes, but it was a I case love that was this story, and it, and the story was changing by the month, and so we didn't want to weigh in and do one. It it wasn't the thing about Pam. We got to it by the time the whole thing had played yeah. out. This is still playing out. This, like, is, this is still, still happening. Unbelievable. But yeah, that moment where the children were missing and mm-hmm. she wouldn't answer the questions, and they were you, chasing her around. You sent me the very first Washington Post article about it, and you said, "What is this story? What is going on? The children are missing, but the parents won't." have anything to do with it. They won't respond to any requests from the police. They're not giving information. They're just saying the kids are in another room it's and everybody the knows they're they gone. arrested her originally yeah. was she would not produce the children. Right. But it was because they had murdered them. Like, I mean, it is it is like it's going to be the one if something um, displaces what's up with Pam, <laughs> um, it's going to be the whatever with Lori. You right. know, like... Totally. Because, my God... So uh, Jessica Crazed. Dilliston, Jessica Dilliston. Oh, well, we're done with said, that conversation. Well, no, she also said the thing about Pam is still the most shocking episode of all to me. Uh, every time I thought it couldn't get crazier, it did. It did. It so, just never lets up. But out of this year, if she had to pick, she would pick our episode on Robert Durst, which was actually a true crime pairing that we did. It was. I loved that one. Yeah, that was really great. That I love that movie with Michelle and Ryan. All good things. We talked. We talked about that. That was our true crime movie time. And then we did. Um, what, what was? What show did we do the episode? You of? know, I honestly cannot, I can't remember what the true crime side of it was. Was recall, it but it was a. But it was like yeah. a, a recap of the. Um, the I think it was of the the more recent. Yeah, and we did um, we did it right as the case was unfolding here in Los Angeles. Robert Durst was just convicted of murder, finally, here in Los Angeles. Uh, I don't remember what his sentencing has been. I know they said, I think they said he was sick with COVID, um, which is, uh, he's elderly, so that's quite an urgent issue with him. Right. Um, and uh, I think the verdict came down. Right after we recorded the episode and before we posted the episode, we may have even re-edited the the first, uh, the opening part of it to say, you know, this episode was recorded before the judgment was rendered, or something like that. You know, are you do, are you? Researching? I'm looking at it, yeah. and I think that what we did was true crime movie time without a pairing. That's so weird, because the one before it is Southern Fried Homicide, Evil Among Us. 
And we didn't do anything after? And Evil Among Us isn't that, is it? No. And um, I didn't think so. What did we do after? Uh, Forgive or Forget. We talked about whether or not you could forgive people for... And so I think we didn't do a pairing. I think that we couldn't come up with a true crime pairing for that. But we thought the movie would be worth a true crime movie time... um, Entry and so we did that. So maybe she's just enjoying that because it really was amazing. And we talked about it in terms of the crime itself, mm-hmm. and in terms of like the questions of like what parts of it were dramatic license and what parts of it were right. Absolutely, I think that's how we did it. I think you're absolutely right. Um, Gina Rowden. Uh, her favorite episode of the year, her favorite true crime TV club, was the story of Aaron Quinn and Denise Huskins. That's the Gone Girl case. Remember, that was an episode of 48 Hours that we covered. That was just mind-blowing. That's what I mean. It was that kind of season. We really have had a good year. Like, mm-hmm. that one was... like. I was on the edge of my seat because that one was about the complete injustice of that horrible little... Um, Police force. Police force. <laughs> I, I, I'm reluctant to call him that. I was yeah. trying to call him, yeah, the 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 incompetence of that police force just deciding that he was guilty and really unrelentingly pursuing that without investigating the crime at all when, in fact, he was not guilty and the, the guy actually um, attacked other people in mm-hmm. the time that they might have been looking for him. Mm-hmm. I just it was that was quite the show. That was yeah, that was an amazing entry into into that particular. I, and I remember people were just outraged. What was the name of that town? I Vallejo. Vallejo, Vallejo, California. It's just outside San Francisco, Northern California. Just ought to just disband their police force and and get another and lash themselves to another city and ask for their help because those people should never be allowed to pass out a traffic ticket, let alone investigate an actual crime ever again. And some of the more, the upper echelon people, the detectives and the PR people and whatever should actually, I think, face criminal charges. Yeah. You know, I I actually misspoke. It was not an episode of 48 Hours. It was an episode of 2020. 2020. 2020 it was called, and it was our episode 86 and we covered 2020. The episode was called Taken. Um, and that kicked off Falsely Accused Month here at TDPS. Yes. We did. Which I really enjoyed that pairing that we did in that when we did um, the Richard Jewell crime and then right. the, that movie, the Clint Eastwood movie. That was a great one, too, because, again, that was something that I had been aware of but that I didn't really know. The, the, the terrifying thing about the Aaron Quinn and Denise Huskins story in episode 86 was that it gave truth to the whole old movie cliche where someone walks into a police station with a story so wild but terrible and terrifying that they are dismissed solely on the basis of how elaborate the story is, right? And that was what they used against him. He came in with a kidnapping story that was so cinematic but true, completely true, that from the outset he was not believed. And I think that's a fear that many of us have. Something really terrible and baroque, if you will, is going to be done to us. And we go to the authorities and we're told we're crazy. And he didn't. They came to his house. They actually saw the crime scene, which was clearly a crime scene. Yeah. And they still didn't believe him. Yeah. 
Terrible. Just ridiculous. Absolutely and she was terrible. still being held. They had abducted her, and she was still being held, and they wouldn't look for her. Yeah. Yeah. It just gets worse and worse. You have to listen to it. And then they go out and start trashing them on the air right. on, to the media while they're in the effort of trying to solve the crimes and to rescue the woman. Even as she's coming home, she's being trashed. Right. By the authorities, the most inexcusable um, police behavior I believe I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, you know, and God knows there are plenty of, last year there were plenty of episodes oh of that. God. Yeah, absolutely. Cindy Conforti. We got in touch with Cindy Conforti and asked her, you know, the inventor of the Cindy Conforti rule. I know. Here at True Crime TV Club. And uh, I had, we'd gotten a message from her recently about this particular episode, so I was pretty sure she was yeah. going to pick this. But we went against type, if you will, for an episode eighty. Uh, excuse me, eighty-three. And Cindy, I'm with you on this one. Yeah. Boy, I love this one. This is what she writes: As I previously shared, the episode "Bridegroom" had a powerful effect on me and brought back some painful memories. Most of the true crime episodes seem to come about through very unique confluences of circumstances—a one-off, if you please. I found the circumstances of the bridegroom case to be all too common, and the pain of those events scar too many souls every time they occur. Some of us are able to find a semi-happy ending when we encounter the hate and bigotry that made this case noteworthy, but all too often, there is no closure for those left behind. Situations like this are more prevalent than we think, and while I know that we have achieved a form of marriage equality, there is still an enormous task ahead to ensure the rights of partners, whether sanctified by marriage or not. That said, I know that the episodes regarding the Billy Newton case are accepted here. I think they are probably the most important because they are attempting to hold someone accountable for that horror. Please press on with that. Now, can we have a question regarding what we would like to see covered in a non-true crime episode? Okay, consider it asked right yeah. here. What would you like to see covered yes, in a non-crime episode? What, what we, what we yeah. We'll see what we can do, but yeah. it's going to be really tough to tear us away from our true crime coverage. Let's talk about Bridegroom, because people may not remember what oh that was Oh my God, about. that was a devastating story. Yeah, I'm really glad we did that. And that was another from my list. Like, yeah. I... Like I said, I couldn't. I had a hard time uh, narrowing it down, and people are hitting on all the ones that I loved. And it was a great year because of it. But yeah, that one was particularly powerful. There wasn't necessarily a crime, but the way that that young man was treated—he was in a partnership with another man. Mm -hmm. The other man tragically died, and then the family of the other man just simply eliminated him from being included in the funeral, mm -hmm. the inheritance, any any aspect of being acknowledged as the partner um, mm -hmm. that he was in this case. It was it was before marriage. Right. I it, think. Was, it was. It absolutely was. And, and so they... Um, it became and, a rallying cry, this story did. It, they, they put the story on YouTube and people... This is you why know. we need marriage, yeah. because there are actual rights involved. And if you don't have those rights, this is what can happen to you. And this young man was basically just, you know, thrown out on the street from his own home because mm -hmm. the family would not acknowledge that they were together. And they didn't have to because legally the bigotry was institutionalized right. by our own government. It was it was a really powerful story because it was such a personal look at what is usually a very theoretical conversation. Like mm -hmm. you saw the actual impact on an actual person right. of having their lives 
torn to shreds mm-hmm. by publicly supported bigotry. Uh, and by and, and, and complicit in this was the mother of the the boy who died tragically who had been out to visit them, who had stayed in their home, who had seen them function as a couple. These were not two people who had started dating the week before. Yeah. They had lived together for an extended period of time. They were deeply in love. Their lives they were meshed and entwined. Rings, they? Yeah, I, something like that. I, there had been a proposal. There, and, yeah, there, was a, that, there was a commitment yeah. to each other. They were not just, it was yeah. not casual. Yeah. And she knew it. Yeah. It, it was a great story. So that is Cindy's pick. Let's see. What else did I, what, what did other people have to say? Good choice, Cindy. What well, what is this from Shea Butters? They, what, what Shea Butters is just supposed to respond to other people. This is what he writes. Come now, party people. Let us be a bit more specific in our responses. I'll take a turn. Oh, Jesus. I have to say my favorite true crime TV club of 2021 was when my employers, Christopher and Eric, served up an episode of Terribly Trivial Crimes entitled Elementary Eric, which covered the case of Eric Shaw Quinn's raw-throated search for the pair of reading glasses he'd inadvertently dropped into his own handbag after accusing his faithful manservant of stealing them. That's not a real episode. We didn't do that, did we? I can't imagine that we would have aired it. Yeah. A close second would be their recounting of an episode of Cracked Mirrors entitled Everybody Drink, in which Christopher Rice managed to make a discussion of stolen nuclear secrets about the time he once rubbed elbows with Nadia Comaneci at a West Hollywood coffee bean some time ago. Shay is fired once again here at TDPS. Have you met Nadia Comaneci? No, no, I haven't. I'd love to meet Nadia Comaneci. I remember I watched the Nadia Comaneci story as a child, and I fell in love with her. I thought she was wonderful. She had an eating disorder, and it was very sad, but she triumphed and did well at the Olympics. That's the Nadia Comaneci story. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thedinnerpartyshow, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash thedinnerpartyshow. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co-host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022. But today, I'd like to tell you about one in particular, a standalone thriller called Decimate. It's the terrifying story of what happens to our kitchen here at the studio Um, when I ask Christopher to make the tea. Yeah, no. When I said improvise the promo, I didn't say you could make shit up. I am not making this up. Look at that kitchen. Okay. Hi, party people. Decimate is actually a thriller about telekinesis and near-death experiences. The page-turning tale of a woman who becomes convinced her brother is being held hostage by a supernatural force following his death in a fiery plane crash. It has nothing to do with tea or our kitchen, and you can pre-order it on Amazon now. And while it is spine-tingling and terrifying, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to have to order off of Amazon to clean up that kitchen. Will you shut up about tea and our kitchen? Oh, I never shut up about tea. (laughs) 
So as promised, we did a little bit of research here at the dinner party show. Because you may not have told us what your favorite ones were, but we know what you've been listening to. Absolutely. And so we wanted to find out what our top 10 episodes were of all time. Actually, just because we were curious, but it also worked out. And and I can't currently see it in my notes, but Eric can see which episodes out of these were 2021 episodes. And so he will let us know as we go. As we go along, we're going to start our countdown from... Number 10 to number one okay. on your hit parade. And we're lifting our exception to the Billy Newton condition we put on the True Crime TV Club request because we, it, we, we're we not comfortable referring to Billy's real story as a True Crime TV Club because it's an ongoing case and we're and trying to contribute to that. it's not a TV club. Like yeah. that's the, the givens of TV club were to be like a book club. We would right. all watch the episode together and then we would talk about it, but can't really do that yet with Billy. I would love to see that happen, but at this point, it's about us trying to call attention to a still unsolved murder here in West Hollywood. That said, our 10th most popular episode is episode 63, and that is our third episode covering the murder of William Arnold Newton, and that is when we interviewed, it's entitled The LAPD Speaks, we interviewed Detective John Lamberti, who got in touch with us. Uh, who has inherited Billy's case 30 years later. That may be, and it's an aspect of maybe the most remarkable thing that's happened since we started doing any of the the Mm -hmm. podcasts, both both different versions, both incarnations. When we started the, the Billy Newton case, our interest in the Billy Newton case grew out of our discussion of I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Right. We talked about, well, what would that look like for us? What would we investigate? And Christopher... Um, brought up that that mm-hmm. case, and um, we were both aware of it, and we began looking into it, and then we became more curious about it, and then we actually posted um, an email address. William which I'm gonna, Newton, you, you know it? William Newton Investigation at Gmail dot com. Um, and we will we did we have done a couple episodes on this that that have been well listened to, so we're not going to retread the whole case here. We advise you if you if you're new to this story, we recommend you go check out those episodes. We're about to talk about them because some of them appear on right. this list as well. This is the third. They are labeled. Um, they they run in our our main timeline of episodes, but the titles will give you the indication of how how many there are. The murder of William Newton, part three, is our tenth most popular episode, and that's where we spoke to the LAPD detective who came to us because he heard our podcast. Right, like somebody responded to that that. Um... <laughs> Had a drinking problem here. Apparently, hit the pops filter on the mic with my teacup. Sorry, his teacup off the pop yeah. filter. Um, but. We somebody responded to that email address with a tip, which we then followed up, verified. Right. Um, at least that it was the guy. I mean, obviously we mm-hmm. weren't there, but um, but yeah, it was very credible, and we talked about it, and the police actually heard about it and got in touch. Yeah. With us, which was beyond our wildest dreams, mm-hmm. we were just trying to get people to pay attention to an unsolved, um crime that had taken place here a long while ago um, Mm -hmm. in West Hollywood. And to have the police get in touch with us was just, yeah, we could not, we were over the moon. And Mm so when finally, and then he's great. I love uh, Detective Liberty. He's a really remarkable guy. And, um, and uh, we talked to him in this particular episode, but it's because, and that's where he revealed to us that it was actually the other way around, that it was hearing about, hearing our podcast mm-hmm. that caused him to be in touch with um, 
with us about it. And uh, and he said that um, it's the out there, it's this, it's this mm-hmm. kind of thing where you might find a solution to an old cold case because it's going to be something off the wall at right. this point. They've exhausted. Because they've, they've investigated all the obvious explanations. They've done you know? the exhaustive yeah. explana- investigation, and now they need that other break. And that was the thing that we were able to mm-hmm. uh, to provide, which was really, God, that was yeah. pretty terrific, Christopher. It was pretty great. It was a great year. Great year indeed. And that was 2021. So that actually okay. happened this year. That's 2021. Uh, our ninth most popular episode is episode 59, and I think that is from early this year. Is that this year? Can you see on your notes? Yes, that's this year. Okay. And that was a dual true crime TV club. You and I went off in our own corners, and we each watched different specials and came. This is the only time we've ever done this. We came back and presented them. We would do this format for what science, but we're talking about true crime TV club. Right. Um, we picked specials on the crimes that changed us, that affected us most as young people. And you did the story of Kitty Genovese. That was an episode of a show called A Crime to Remember. And I did um, the disappearance of Kevin Collins in San Francisco in 1984 when I was a child. And that was an episode of People Magazine Investigates. And that's the only episode I think we've ever done where I cried while we were, I actually choked up while I was talking about the Kevin Collins case. That was an episode, like, I don't remember you crying about the Kitty Genovese case, but I remember you being stunned by what you had discovered. It was really mind-blowing. Like, I had a vision of what the case was from my memory of it. I remembered the minister in our church referencing mm-hmm. the the crime itself, and it, it's been taught and used as an example of how the apathy of the big city, the mm-hmm. myth of that, the apathy of the big city that nobody cared. She was screaming for help and nobody came to her assistance and nothing could have been further from the truth. Everything that I knew about that crime was incorrect and there right. was aspects of it that I completely did not know. Mm-hmm. It was really a mind-blowing retelling of that story. If you haven't seen it... Um, it's uh, what is it? It's season two, episode one of A Crime to Remember, and it's entitled "38 Witnesses." It was it was really uh, mind blowing. If you know the Kitty Genovese story, or you think you know mm-hmm. the Kitty Genovese story, listen to that because you do not know. I thought I knew, and nothing about that story that I thought I knew was true. Mm -hmm. Um, It really was. And it really kind of, it was much more hopeful and really kind of reshaped my feelings around the things that that case purports to be about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Our eighth most popular episode, uh, already been mentioned on this episode by Natalie Gudermanson, episode 79, and that was a true crime special edition, Sasquatch. The documentary series on Hulu. I just what more? What can you say about Sasquatch that hasn't already been said before? (laughs) Like it just wasn't what we thought it was going to be. We thought it was going to be some kooky paranormal documentary about people in the woods, and it turned into this true crime saga. I mean, you know, like it just blew us out of the water. It was they was Sas is Sasquatch a a serial killer or something was the prim the the promo line, and we were like, okay, we gotta this one. We've gotta see this will be, and it was not. It was about this big social change and about um, the rise of uh, 
pot sales the in war Northern on California, drugs the in Northern the Reagan drugs, era the, war on drugs yeah it was it was so much more than we thought the immig- the illegal immigration in California yeah. um, it was really it was an astonishing um investigation that led to its own conclusions maybe not the kind of hard and fast that some of them have but it was really informative and fascinating three or four episodes I can't even remember four. It was, it was four episodes. And I mean, we they did one, obviously. Just but yeah. flew. They just flew by. It was really a great, that was really a, an unexpected treat. Hulu, right? Yes. It's on Hulu here in America. Now, people are international listeners. Don't I have access to Hulu? So I'm not sure where it is. But the documentary series is called Sasquatch. Uh, highly recommended. A recent release as well. And also, that was this year. Yeah, that was this year. So we, you're right. We had a good year. All right. Our seventh most popular episode is episode 81. This is our only non-true crime episode in the top ten. It was called Big Gay Heroes. As opposed to Little Gay Heroes. Right. It was. Uh, we talked about our gay icons. I think it was a Pride Month episode, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> it better have been it if it wasn't. It made itself one, even if we didn't set it out I'm to be one. I'm telling you. Um, and that I, you know, I, I, we talk about that kind of stuff all the time. So I can't remember if, if this particular episode I said anything other than what I usually say. But I think it was about what makes a hero. And I think, as always, you had some unconventional answers to the question that I think you focused on some individuals who maybe don't get all the credit and the attention all the time. People who do the real kind of yeoman's work of yeah, it activism. is real. It is easy to to to. To point to people who've gotten all the coverage, but it is important to remember how things really get done. Right. And, uh, yeah, I'm not seeing a lot of information in the description. <laughs> it's us for trying to be more coy and enticing with our descriptions. Right. Some some podcasts have very extensive show notes. You know, we don't really do that as much. If people want show notes, say so. And maybe we'll try to hire someone who can write them for us because right. we're really fucking busy. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll get somebody right on that. That was like we were going to do transcriptions. I'll and I get, was like, who's going to transcribe all these episodes? I I'll got, get the elves right on yeah, that. I think we can do voice transcriptions, like where it reads your oh, voice. And, I hope so. I hope it doesn't make us sound terrible or incoherent. Well, it's like a computer-generated thing. It's like Siri. Like I want Siri transcribing our episodes. <laughs> Why'd you all do a whole episode about flaming carrots? And like, no, that's not what we meant. She heard us wrong. (laughs) Our sixth most popular episode, we are back to Billy Newton. Episode 60, which was our second episode focused on the Billy Newton murder. that We called that Billy's Last Weekend. And that was where we, through some sources, we were able to obtain, piece together as full a picture as we could of Billy's last movements in the day prior to and his And that was the episode that inspired the police response. Yeah, that was, and that was episode 60. Also this year. Our fifth most popular episode was episode 37. This was the one you referenced earlier, Are They Gone in the Dark? Where we first talked about Billy, but didn't launch into the entire story in the detail that we brought in later. This was when we, we had watched... Um, the, the documentary on Michelle McNamara, right. which and the documentary, which is on HBO, was named for her book. Is that right, or am I getting that wrong? I'll Be Gone in the Dark yes. was also the name of the documentary. I believe that's true. Right, and that was about her obsession with the Golden State Killer case and her contributions to the case before she died tragically of a drug overdose. And she was a writer and podcaster yeah. in her own right, and so yeah. it was intriguing to us, and it was the place that we first 
um, scared up a, um, an interest in um, in Billy. That was actually not this year. That's that been going on year. for that was the previous. I think that aired in the the summer months of of that sounds uh, right. Of that because we started talking to lockdown. more people about it who began to point out that we were coming up on the 30th anniversary of the case, which was going to be October. So it had to, it was, it was August. We were, yeah, we were in the depths of the pandemic lockdowns when we did that episode. I yeah. remember, remember. Okay. Our fourth most popular episode. Really a surprise. I'm shocked. Episode 69. This was a true crime TV club. We covered. An episode of a show called The Perfect Murder entitled Jump Shot. This case was really, I don't, it, there was nothing extraordinary about this story. I mean, it was a tragedy, but it was very LA. It was very. And that's, I, th- we, were su- we were surmising that maybe the reason it was was because a lot of people had heard about it and didn't know how it turned out, because that was the reason I wanted to do it. Yeah. I had heard about this crime. It happened here in Los Angeles, and I wasn't really sure how it had ever turned out. And I had some sort of suspicions, but I didn't know for sure. And so mm-hmm. I suggested it, and I'm wondering if that's why it got such a high ranking. Yeah. Um, that was this year. Um, And I I think it may be that it was just fellow um, Angelinos drove up the numbers because they were like, yeah, what the hell happened with that? I remember that guy, that Fox executive who went missing for all that time and then eventually, like, whatever happened to him? Yeah. It's it's so strange. I was so surprised to see it in the top five, not just the top ten, but the top five. And, you know, that's fine. It was a good show. I. I'm not sorry we did it, but it wasn't one of those like, oh, wow. But it was, like for me at least, um, as somebody who had heard of the crime before, it was a surprise. I was like, oh, that's what happened. Huh, that's not what I was expecting. So I'm going to do episode our, our third and second most popular episodes together because they are both true crime TV clubs that focused on the same series. They were different episodes from the same series. and I'll It's have a to great say, series. B- with... Combining the ninth most popular choice, which was a dual crime TV TV club, t- true crime TV club, excuse me, um, this series is a popular series for us, and it's called A Crime to yeah, Remember. It's a good series. And it's about, um, it's reenactment filled, which is not my favorite. And it's but, oddly story driven. Yes. So our third most popular choice is episode 44, and that was a, an, a Crime to Remember episode entitled Candyland, which was about the most screwed up family and marriage you've ever. ever heard about. And then the second most popular episode for us, a Crime to Remember episode called Time Bomb, which was about the first terrorist bombing of an American airliner. In the 50s, I believe it was. Or the first bombing the first of the bombing. airliner. I don't know that terrorists, you could. Yeah. Criminal would, bombing. As a, plenty yeah. terrifying. Like, I, yeah. But I don't think the idea was terrorism. It was actually um, a, a murder. It was yeah. actually somebody trying to inherit money. It was, And they killed a whole plane full of people to do it, which is just makes them the most odious people. And it had the detail in it that, that I had heard said to me before, but not in the context of this case, that at the old airports, the original airports, you could buy a life insurance policy out of a machine, yeah. out of a vending machine, and that plays a part in the case uh, that we discussed. Okay, and this will not surprise anybody, despite our rule that we placed on you, our party people. Our most popular episode of all time is episode 48, and that is The Murder of William Newton 30 Years Later, which is the first full-focused episode we did about the Billy Newton case on the anniversary of his murder in 1990, the 30-year anniversary. 
And so, you know, obviously a lot of you care about Billy, and that is a very good thing. That was our objective, was to get more people to know his name, to know his story. Um, my response, my, the reason I became more obsessed with it was because in my initial investigation, I discovered that his loved ones, the people who had carried the torch for him, were starting to pass away. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So And so he wanted to bring it back into people's minds and keep it fresh in whatever way we could. Okay. So that's the list. It's our turn. Eric Shaw Quinn, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. And I will and say... We're, we're not including Billy in our no, collection. No, we, we're so. not including Billy in our collection either. Billy is still very important to us, but it's not the same thing as the yeah. True Crime TV Club. We haven't seen a TV show about Billy. We would like to, we but... We would like to, very we have much not. so. We have not as yet. Um, I will say that most of mine, most of the ones on my list were either covered or we have mentioned, because I said it was very hard to make a decision. So I will just mention the only one that wasn't mentioned um, in already in the process, and that was episode 91, The Woman Who Wasn't There. Oh, That right. was a fascinating oh. episode to me. That right. was really, like... I guess it was a crime. Maybe it wasn't really a crime, but it was it was criminal. Mm-hmm. The the behavior was criminal, and it was about. Um, oh, you all right there? Had it a was little about, iPad spill. It was about survivors of the nine eleven um, the nine eleven assault, mm-hmm. and uh, their survivors organization, and somebody infiltrating their association. It, it was really, uh, it was it was a. One of the strangest cases and very well put together, very well documented, lots of footage of the criminal and all of the people that she defrauded and everybody else involved. But it was really, I don't know, there was just something about that. So I, Lady Gucci, my God, that was brilliant. The um, the bridegroom, um, I just ripped my heart out. The Kitty Genovese story was amazing to me um and but and this one was an, yet another of those sort of what an unusual crime like yeah absolutely so yeah it was a great year i mean that was my big takeaway when i tried started looking at the true crime episodes what did you pick did well you, you know i you just inspired me right i my favorite was on the list it was number 9 and it was our dual true crime tv club where you covered kitty yeah. genovese and i covered kevin collins I mean, it was an emotionally impactful episode. It was very educational to me to learn so much about a case that had been a sort of sequence of nightmare memories yeah. from my youth. But also learning about Kitty Genovese was was, um, God, was also was fascinating. Just, yeah. So there's that. So I just went back and I said, okay, I'm going to do the same thing Eric did and I'm going to pick an, an episode that nobody else mentioned that, that I really loved. And it was um, episode 67, which was Oklahoma City. And uh, part of what was so... What I love so much about that episode was your take on it. Your take that Timothy McVeigh was a serial killer. He was yeah. just a serial killer who managed to brand himself with a pseudo political cause. But we talk we talk about monsters like him on the show all the fucking time, and it sounds exactly the same. I don't care what manifesto yeah. he had in his back pocket. Yeah, he was no, a serial that was killer. Bullshit. He was yeah. a serial killer. He just did all of his killings the same day. Right. So 
congratulations on a wonderful 2021, Eric Shawquin. Thank you to our party congratulations people for seeing us through our second I'm full year of episodes. Wishing everybody a spectacular 2022. Happy New Year to everyone. Absolutely. We've already got some great ideas. We do, and we are coming back with another true crime special edition. We're going to be serving up a multi-episode episode, episode, episode. true crime series for you in our next episode called Murder on Middle Beach, and that is an HBO Max presentation. Um, we will serve it up in such detail that you don't need to watch it before we talk about it, but if you would like to... Go right ahead. It, it looks really great, it's a, and it's a nice series. It's on HBO, so if you're home and all tucked up for the holidays still, or hiding, or recovering from the I know, holidays, right? I guess at this point, um, it might be something uh, fun to watch. Until then, and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shockwin. And you've Suddenly been, very serious. You've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks, and Happy New Year. This is TDPS.